Hey guys, it's Josh, one of the hosts of Long Live. People are all the time asking me how I read books as fast as I do. Well, the secret is that I recently started using Audible. Visit my website, go to the show notes for this episode, and follow the link and sign up for your free 30-day trial of Audible. They have tons of great titles like R.C. Sproul's What is Reformed Theology, Michael Horton's Core Christianity, and John Calvin's Institutes of the Christian Religion. So again, visit PastorJoshRobinson.com, find the link in the show notes, and get signed up on Audible today for free. Thanks again for listening. You're listening to Long Live, a Christian podcast dedicated to applying the Christian worldview to every area of life. I'm your host, Pastor Josh Robinson, lead church planner and pastor of New Haven Church in Chapmanville, West Virginia. Joining me today is my co-host. Hey guys, Colton here. What's up, Colton? Uh, nothing much. Got done with a week of school, preparing for the weekend. Dude, it's been a while since we've we've released one of these. Yeah, it's been like been a week busy. or two. Yeah, um, over the past couple of weeks. Our uh, church plant in Chapmanville, New Haven Church, we uh, launched our first preview service. Awesome. Yeah, it was really awesome. Went really good. Um, So anyway, there was a lot of preparation leading up to that preview service. And so we we have been swamped and extremely busy. So that's one of the reasons why we haven't released a podcast in the past couple weeks. So uh, Colton's going on the weekend and the, mm-hmm. our preview service is out of the way now so we're preparing for our one at the end of the month so we got a little bit of free time on our hands so yes so we'd give it a give it a go give it a old go so today wait was it today or was it yesterday i can't i can't remember what are we talking about talking about jim justice the, gov- uh, the governor of west virginia I mean, well i'm kind of late on the news yeah i don't remember if it was yesterday or today the gov- i think he said it yesterday but it blew up on facebook today yeah, that's probably what it was. I think it was on PBS yesterday. For some reason, it was on PBS and wasn't on WSOZ. I don't know. We have PBS? I don't know. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Thanks, Obama. <laughs> but Yeah, anyway, uh, our governor, the governor of West Virginia, Jim Justice, announced a proposal to uh, deal with the uh, budget crisis in West West Virginia and... We're poor. <laughs> yeah, we're about to Bad get a lot. Off. We're about to get a lot poorer. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be rough. Yeah, he. Uh, uh, so, in his budget, he proposed that there was, I think it was like, he there was a tax hike of like four hundred, four hundred and fifty million dollars in tax hikes. Yeah, it was something like 10, 10, 10 cents extra on the on the gallon of gas per gallon of gas. Yeah, was what he proposed. He proposed a higher. Was it a pop tax? It was something weird. There was a tax on barrels of beer. Yeah, we're like the, you know you know like we're like the only like we're it's it's weird in other states that we get taxed on beverages and stuff. Because uh. I went one time I went to Kings Island and there was this girl in front of me and they put a tax on her drink and I guess mm-hmm. she was from maybe Indiana somewhere where they didn't have beverage taxes. Yeah. And she was like, "They can't do that. That's illegal." <laughs> and I was like, "Well, you're in Ohio now, so yeah. you know, things are pretty 
pretty similar in Ohio, Kentucky, West Virginia, so they probably get one too. Yeah. So anyway, he he proposes in the budget to uh, increase taxes by two hundred fifty million dollars, and then he's cutting some government programs, uh, which is going to be about twenty six million in cuts. So Ouch. not very. It's not very. Government, like, there's, there's not a whole lot of cuts. I mean, 26 million, yeah, that's a lot of cuts, but, but compared to 450 what the everyday person's going to be paying into it, right? Well, compared to 450 million dollars in tax hikes, Ooh, yeah, that's a, that's a pretty big deal. I'm not what real, real that, happy about that. Like, like, one close to one ninth, one tenth, something like that, dude. I have no that's idea. I'm not good, at. I'm not good at math. I'm not an example. 400 million would be one eighth, 26 out, 26 million would be so. It's we're paying a very, very we're, we're paying a large you know fraction compared to what they're what the government's doing yeah it's it's kind of frustrating because i read a quote whenever i was reading about this on metro news which is a uh, local west virginia news outlet and uh somebody asked him why they didn't cut the government spending uh by 400 400 to 500 million instead of uh increasing the taxes and his answer was something along the lines of, well, if we cut the government by 400 to 500 million, then West Virginia would essentially uh, have no more development and West Virginia would become a waste dump. Ooh. So wait, think about that for a second. He says that West Virginia, basically he's saying this, without the government in the business of development, West Virginia would become a waste dump. Man, like saying basically what that is, that's saying is like the citizens of West Virginia are Don't not mean anything. right. Well, you're not capable of of development. Yeah. You're not capable of creating, uh, you know, sustainable businesses. Who, who wants to be? Who wants to be capable? Whenever we have people shoving stuff like that down our throats, well, it's hard to it's hard to be capable whenever you're a business owner and you you know you're you're almost taxed out of the state. You know what I mean? Like it's. That that's difficult. It is difficult to do development if you're an entrepreneur. Whenever you're paying, you know, double digits, you know, in taxes annually. So and 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 did, did he? Uh, I've seen a lot of stuff about going around about him and his his ta- his personal taxes. Right. And and I don't know. It's, it's just so. And he lied. He said that we would we could fix the 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 budget crisis without. You know, a tax hike and right. Well, yeah. Whenever that he was, was one campaigning, of his campaign issues. Yeah, you know, like he was, he was dead. He was all, we we won't set tax hikes. Then. Yeah, that was one of the big promises of his uh, in his campaign that there would be no tax hikes, and he's already went back on that promise. You know, a month into his his term. I bet Jim's sitting in his house right now with his pants lit on fire. Well, you know, he's a liar, liar. You know, the funny thing about it is, is that Jim Justice is actually the richest man in West Virginia. Yeah, and you know, another thing mm. is, I feel like if if we, I feel like I feel like another thing, like this just popped in my head all of a sudden. I feel like he's not going to do real well with the public school system because I know he was a coach for Charleston Catholics girls basketball team mm-hmm. and i feel like he's got a lot of ties with private schools and stuff like that i just i feel like this is a bad choice well he actually is cutting uh, the promise scholarship yeah yeah that's what yeah that's where that arose in my head i, was, I knew there was some kind of root there yeah that's ridiculous yeah, he's he's uh yeah he's cutting a lot of uh, i think he said that he was cutting uh you know federal funding for for schools and you know a lot so of that kind of stuff the democrats want to go to school you know that's that's kind of a a, a typical liberal Stance there for the Democratic Party is free schooling. 
Right. And he's going to pretty much cut the only chance people have at free schooling. Around here, I mean, I've, I've always preached to people, you know, they say, we want free school. Well, do good on your ACT, get a good GPA, and they'll pay your tuition. Right. The state will. With the problem scholarship. Right. I can't, I can't do that to people anymore. If yeah. he cuts that, you know, you can't, you can't use that argument <laughs> anymore. So I'm just going to be like, well, sorry. That's all you can say. Yeah. So, well, and, and here's the thing, too. <clears throat> it, it makes it difficult for families who, you know, you take away the promise scholarship. So that means that, you know, that's more out of pocket, which I don't have a problem with out of pocket, you know, paying out of pocket. I think that that's the way that people should pay. Yeah. Um, but what happens is, is whenever you tax it, whenever you hike the taxes up on people, you ain't got the money. Right. Right. Yeah. You know, and people argue well, you get it back at the end of the year, but not always. Yeah. That's that's uh, to say you are vastly overpaying. Um, but yeah, that makes it very, very difficult. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm going to dig a little rabbit hole before we get into our main topic here. Yeah. What does what what's what's uh, where should Christians stand, biblically speaking, on taxes? Well, I think that there is a happy medium between the two. Um, you know, you have I, I I tend to lean. I wouldn't quite say that I am a libertarian. Yeah, but, but obviously, me and you both. Well, I think everyone in you know the family here. Yeah, is probably leans towards the the with with taxes. Right, exactly. Yeah, they do. Um, so. Anyway, I, I kind of lean on the spectrum. I'm kind of I look more like a libertarian than I do a Republican or a Democrat. Economically, but, right? But I am a uh, a theonomist, a Christian reconstructionist. So I think that there is a biblical. Um, I think that there is an argument to be made that taxes, paying taxes, are biblical. But at the same time, um, like you have some who who will holler taxation is theft, and then. You have some who also holler, you know, tax the daylights out of us. We don't care what it is, you know. Bernie Sanders. Right, exactly, you know. <laughs> um, so I kind of fall, I feel like, in between because I feel like that it is biblical, specifically uh, talking about in Romans 13 where it says, give taxes to whom taxes are due, honor to whom honor is due. So I think that there is, um, that it is biblical for governments to tax, but I think that it's a very, very small amount that they can tax. Like, yeah, for example. Plus, I don't think it says pay taxes to state government, federal government. Yeah. Everything that we can pay to, pay it. Well, yeah. and here's the thing, too. One of the reasons why the taxes are so high is because the government has us paying for things that that they shouldn't be dealing in. You know what I mean? Like, <coughs> health, healthcare. Like, yeah, healthcare <laughs> is one. Um, f- funding abortions, uh, you know, and, and organizations like Planned Parenthood. Um you know, they, Trump uh, signed an executive order to stop all of our funding to uh, anything that's, that uh, performs abortions in outer countries. Right? Yeah, he like did. That, yeah, he did fund an which ex- I thought I think is fantastic. Yeah. You know, well, I just want to see. I just want to see him out. You know, here. repeal Roe v. Wade. Yeah. Um, but anyway, um, I think that there is a biblical mandate that you know says that taxation is biblical, but it's a very small taxation. Um, like for example, whenever you look back um, throughout the the entirety of the scriptures, you see that um, you know there was very little taxes collected, and I think that one of the reasons why we have taxes as high as they are today is because, like I said, the government has its nose in places that it shouldn't be in. Um, I agree. We've, yeah. So, like for example, did you know that the government is in the cheese business? Like the government 
like subsidizes millions and billions of dollars to cheat, you know, in, in the well, cheese I mean, industry. And just another thing, and this is really, you know, it's, I, I can't remember the exact number, but we, every year, if you go on the internet, we have a, uh, there's a government website that is foreign. It's a foreign assistance website. It shows our planned budget for foreign assistance. It shows our, um, total spent for the year. And, and then at the end of the year, it'll show how much we did spend. And we 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 plan to spend. I feel like it was around eleven billion dollars mm. in, in foreign assistance. Mm. And when you go on that and you look at that, a big thing of it around. I feel like you know this is an estimate. It was it was with it was a graph. It was a bar mm-hmm. graph. So it, I think it was around seventy percent was with peacekeeping was what it was called. And I feel like that's military. And and I googled it and it was mostly you know making sure that, that there's peace in quotations, in mm-hmm. other countries. Right. And I feel like that's stuff we shouldn't have our nose stuck in in some countries. Right, like, exactly. Like, why do we need military bases in Germany? Yeah. Right now. Yeah. Um, and, and you know, Rand Paul, or not Rand Paul, but his father, Ron Paul, man, he has said a lot of good things in regards to that. Like, you know, one of the reasons why we have people who, you know, despise our country so much is because, you know, we've, we've went into their country <laughs> and we've stuck our nose in business that we don't belong in. Exactly. Um, you know, and that takes money to do. And that who's that come from? It comes the from the taxpayers. Taxpayers, man. Right. It don't come from other countries. It doesn't come from our leaders' pockets. It comes from the working Citizens of America. Right. And so I think that whenever we look at Romans 13, there's only two, there's only really, it's one role, but it manifests itself, I think, in two ways. Um, it says that, you know, civil magistrates um, are a, they are to reward those who do good and punish those who do evil. So those are, the, that's the only thing, it, it has the, the responsibility of protecting people. Mm-hmm. And it does that through punishing those who do evil, and it does it by rewarding those who do good. So I think that those are the only two legitimate roles that government has, biblically speaking. So um, I wouldn't have a problem, for example, if our our system was entirely reformed, yeah. and you know we had you know a, a very minimal government, a very uh, stripped down, you know, minarchist type. Um, government where it, it's literally just there to protect you know private property and to punish those who do uh, you know those who do evil. I agree. Like I would have no problem at all paying taxes just for those things. Yeah. But I do have a major problem with funding Planned Parenthood. Right. And funding you know uh, neocon uh, warmongers who want to go overseas and bomb the daylights out of, of, of villages for and, a pretty black substance called oil. Right, exactly. So I have a major problem with that. So yeah. Okay. Well, that's uh, your daily dosage of. The well, I, I, I'm oh, not. You're not done. No, I'm not done. Oh well, man, well, Josh is ready. Just we might as well name this one the Jim Justice episode. The Jim Justice episode. <laughs> it's, but, and, a, and a little bit of what we're going to talk about next. Yeah. <laughs> Well, well, here's the thing that that aggravates me most about Jim Justice. Um, you know, people people were complaining, you know, today after you know the news made headlines, um, you know, about his his tax plans. Here's the thing: Jim Justice himself owes fifteen. He he's a he's the richest man. First, let me say I'm gonna preface it. He is the richest man in West Virginia. He is a billionaire. He owns um, multiple coal mines. He owns all kinds of various companies. The probably the biggest formal attraction in West Virginia, where multiple presidents have stayed, multiple celebrities, where they hold one of the biggest 
golf tournaments. Yeah, the PGA Tour the, comes yeah, to the Greenbrier. Comes to the Greenbrier. And well, the New Orleans so Saints much, were practicing. They were practicing there. Right. They, they stationed their practices in West Virginia. And everybody was like, oh my gosh, the New Orleans Saints are in West Virginia. Well, it was for the Greenbrier. Right. Because it's so fancy and beautiful. If this guy would pay what he owes in taxes. That's what I was going to say. Which is I, the number is what? That's what I was about to say. That's what I was going to go into is Jim Justice, who is this multi-billionaire, owes over... $10 million in taxes and has yet to pay those. That would fix the government cut right there. Well, that they would could cut more from the well, government. Well, if pay that. well, if Jim Justice would just pay his taxes, none of us would have to. Right. The, the, you know, the federal, the gap that's in the, the budget for this year, you know, a large sum of it would be paid. <laughs> Around 25% for the, oh, I mean, no, 25%. That's, that's a small number, but, um, just the you know they usually like they said they was talking about government spending you know, it was going to cut it to cut by twenty six million right yeah that would you would only have to cut it by ten million then but go ahead and cut it by twenty six million that way it takes less away from the taxpayers of West Virginia you know what right. I mean it, it, he could he could set an example for all of us and fix some stuff himself so but yeah I've I've got a big problem I didn't vote for him I yeah, didn't say it I I, didn't I voted for Bill Cole I'm not. I won't say who I voted for, but <laughs> I, I didn't. I didn't vote for Jim Justice, and, and I think that one of the things is is I, that I can typically tell, you know, whenever someone is, I, I know the state that West Virginia is in economically speaking, and you know, one thing that I have spent you know quite a lot of time studying is economics, so I am able to tell you know, you know, in a ten minute conversation with somebody. You know, if they are uh, fiscally conservative or if they are what we call a Keynesian, which is someone who is, you know, spend heavy, debt heavy, you know, within just talking about economics in 10 minutes, I'm able to see where somebody stands. And whenever I watched uh, Jim Justice, you know, through his uh, through the governor uh, governor's race, you know, I was able to tell that he was not a very economically solid um, candidate. So uh, I would have never voted there like, to be honest with you the candidates we had for governor this year weren't very good they weren't well so. i think i think i'm gonna go loot um i'm pretty aggravated you probably shouldn't do that <laughs> <laughs> hashtag not my governor hashtag not my governor I, you know i just about posted that today I, Dad, dad's been going crazy with that i posted <laughs> yeah, i posted hashtag. a status earlier in regards to the entire thing and it was a quote from winston churchill and it was something along the lines of uh, i'm not going to quote it verbatim but it was along the lines of a country that wants to um, tax itself into prosperity is like a man standing in a, a bucket, bucket trying to lift himself up by the handle. handle. Yeah. Like it just doesn't work. So, yeah, I mean, you know, I, we spent, you know, almost 20 minutes ranting about this. <laughs> but, and, well, and there's a reason why we, we've discussed because, this. And there's a reason it took 20 minutes, too, was because it is it hits you emotionally. Get aggravated. We started talking about it, and I think we expect this to be like a little ten minute segment at the beginning of the episode. And it's just there, there's so much. Well, oh, I want to use the word corruption. For for me, <laughs> what it is is that I want to apply the Bible to every area of life, um, and this is an area where we can apply the Bible to. You know, we live in the state of West Virginia. Um, you know, we have a governor who. Um, you know, doing things that the Bible speaks on. You know, the Bible has a lot to say on economics. Um, if you go through and, you know, there's a guy named Gary North who wrote an entire economic commentary on the Bible, on every book of the Bible. So the Bible has very much... economics. Yeah, it has tons of things to say about economics. And I think that whenever you handle and deal with money God's way, you are blessed for that. And so, you know, I think that... 
um, you know, the candidate or the, you know, not the candidate. He, he is the governor now. I think that the governor we have now, um, you know, just obviously doesn't have a knowledge of that. And, you know, it's sad. Well, so. yeah, I agree. Uh, I had something else to say. Now I can't even remember what it was. Yeah. It was something about. Oh, I know. You know what would fix our, our budget deficit? What? Zip lines. Zip lines. If I was the governor, I would have put up about 100 zip lines. You know, if I were the governor, I would have. Tourists, man. Tourists would come here if we had cool stuff. But I would want cool stuff. I would go tell some of my friends who were entre- entrepreneurs yeah. to put in in zip lines. Yeah, zip lines, water parks, roller coasters that ride across the mountaintops. We could do so much. We have so much land opportunity in West Virginia. Yeah. So maybe we'll spend an entire episode talking about how how. If you guys like this segment of the episode, yeah. Let us know, because we'll do another one, because I could talk about this stuff all day. I was going to say, maybe we'll do do a segment sometime, or maybe a blog post or something about maybe how how to approach the the financial crisis in West Virginia from a biblical perspective, you know, and, and do that in depth. Maybe that would be something fun to do. So, anyway, what are you vaping tonight? Um, I just went up there. You went with me, actually. I did. And <laughs> from Big Bottle Company, and it's really a big bottle. Like compared to everything else that you buy, it's huge. And it's called is that sixty four ounces. No, no, it's one hundred twenty milliliters is what they get by. Dang. And yeah, most people buy thirty milliliters. I bought one hundred twenty, and it's called cinnamon cream. Pretty good. It's, yeah, and it, what was good about it was the price. Honestly, it's probably the main reason I bought it. And everybody's getting aggravated, maybe wanting to run up there once a week and get something new, and it doesn't last. What are you using? What are you vaping? I'm using. It's called Smurfberry. And it's by some company called Slushy Smoke Juice. Slushy, Slushy is good. I don't know, but it's handmade in Reno, Nevada. They so. had some good. Uh, they had some good. They had some Mountain Dew flavor that I tried one time. That was delicious. It's fifty fifty VG and PG. Oh, so. I thought it was. I thought it was more VG than that. No, it's everyone doesn't know that means vegetable glycerin and propylene glycol. It's the two things that's in vape juice, and it is not harmful. And it is not harmful to our knowledge. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a doctor, so <laughs> but. Uh, Anyway, so I got a uh, got a new vape mod. It is an E-Leaf iStick, 100 watts, and it's got a smock uh, tank on it. It's a TFV4 Mini. It's kind of old. But yeah, it's like the old version of the Baby Beast that I gave Josh. I have the Cloud Beast and the Baby Beast, and I was letting Josh use that. And it's kind of like... It's kind of like a, a vintage smock tank. What is this, like a TV? Was the, these the TV8s now? TFV8. Yeah, so this baby's old now. Yeah. But it's pretty cool. But this this stuff tastes pretty good. Like, I, I'm a fan of it. So. What are we talking about? What's 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 the so we'll uh, main ma- topic? We're going to talk events. about the sacraments. I thought we were talking about the, uh, I thought we were talking about the Saint and... AJ Styles match. <laughs> <laughs> no, kidding. We're gonna talk. We're talking about sacraments. I'm gonna talk about. Give us a good. I'm gonna give. I'm gonna give a good definition of what the word sacrament means non-biblically, and then you explain what it means. Is there is there a definition that's non-biblical? Bi-bi-bi-bi, non-biblical. Well, for the, sacrament. Well, the word sacrament itself is not found in scripture. Okay. So. So yeah. Well, here we go. Well, right here. It, a religious ceremony or act of the Christian church that is regarded as an outward and visible sign of inward and spiritual divine grace in particular. Does that sound pretty accurate? Here's the way that I would define uh, sacraments. I would say that they are a means of grace 
And uh, Richard Barcelos, he has a book called The Lord's Supper as a Means of Grace. And I think that this is also true for baptism. But um, the way that he defines a sacrament or a means of grace is that a means of grace... A means of grace... <laughs> he just went means full of Mike Tyson. <laughs> <laughs> the means of grace... <laughs> Merry Christmas. <laughs> anyway, the means of grace are, uh, they are means that um, he defines them as almost as pathways that deliver the grace of God to you in an objective way. Oh, man, so, that sounds good. So whenever you... That <laughs> <laughs> sounded part, way better than my Google definition. So whenever you partake of the Lord's Supper on a... Uh, this is why New Haven Church... Um, believes in you know doing the Lord's Supper every time we come together. First, I mean, we see in Scripture it says he says, "Do this in remembrance of me." In remembrance of me, and we see that they were doing it every time that they gathered together. Um, but we believe that it's a means of grace, and that something actually happens whenever we partake of the Lord's Supper. Um, we believe that God objectively gives grace through partaking of that if we um, believe in Jesus and are of His elect. Okay. Um, now, if you are an unbeliever, we see that Scripture has um, cautions and judgments to those who partake of the Lord's Supper. It says that you drink judgment on yourself mm. and that um, that there were actually people in the church in Corinth, we see in 1 Corinthians, who actually um, died from partaking of the Lord's Jeez. Supper in an unwor- unworthy that's, manner. That's where that's coming from. I was going to say, I know a guy. I'm not going to mention any names, but whenever he... Is preparing for the Lord's Supper during a service. He gives gives it. He, he he looks out and he says, "If you are not a Christian, the Bible has some very dangerous warnings." That was me that said that. No, I've heard other people say it. And uh, you know who I'm talking about? Uh-huh. Talk about somebody from New Heights. Oh, about yeah. Will. He always yeah. says dangerous. Yeah, it's very very dangerous. dangerous. Yeah. He says it's very dangerous. You know, warnings and. I didn't know what he meant by that. I thought maybe that when you said he bring judgment upon yourself, I was like, oh yes. And then when you said people died, I was like, whoa. Yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> it's it's like a it's a legit it's legitimate like um because you know you're partaking in something you're partaking of something that is more than just a symbol. You know what I mean? Like a lot of people hold to what's called the memorialist view, and basically what they they believe is that. This is just a memorial. It's pointing back to um, what Jesus did. It, nothing actually happens whenever you partake of it. You know what I mean? So it's the same people that probably don't partake of it. Well, th- yeah, exactly. Those are the people <laughs> what you're who saying. exactly, and that like like that I view leads useless. right. That that view leads to that. It oftentimes leads to neglecting the Lord's Supper. Um, now, of course, we believe that these people are brothers in, in Christ, and that they are, you know. You know, devout believers, but I do believe that they are holding to a, a view that's not very that's not accurate. biblical. So they would say that you know nothing actually happens in the Lord's Supper, and that um, it's just a memorial. Well, I think that whenever we see in Scripture, you know, I think that those things are more than a memorial. Like, is, is, okay, so it, are you saying that the same could be true for some people with baptism? Right. I would say that the same is true. I would say that baptism is also a means of grace, that God gives not justifying grace. Um, For example, there are some who say that it's a sacrament and it does something like Roman Catholics and Lutherans who will say that um, God saves through those things. They will say that baptism actually saves you. Now, as a Baptist, as a Reformed Baptist, I would disagree with that uh, for a lot of different reasons. Um, One, because... 
you we're know, saved we, through what's it called? We're saved by grace through faith alone. Um, so I would say that it is a means of grace, but it's a means of sanctifying grace and not justifying grace. Yeah. So that's not our, you know, pass to heaven as the as the baptism. It's through grace or it's through faith and faith alone. Right. Exactly. Not so <laughs> right. So um, yeah. So I would say the same thing is true with baptism. That in baptism, um, the Second London Baptist Confession of Faith calls them ordinances of the church. Um, that's in towards the end of the London Baptist Confession, toward, in the, some of the last chapters. I don't have it in front of me right now. Um, I should, but I don't. Um, slacking. I am slacking. <laughs> but um, if you look in the, the end chapters of the Second London Baptist Confession, it refers to, the, to, to that as an ordinance. Now, some people like to try to argue that you know, Baptists have never used the word sacrament or have never viewed them to be sacraments or to say that they actually do something. You know what I mean? Yeah. They think that the word uh, sacrament is very Roman Catholic and that it implies that something, <laughs> you know, something happens, you know, through it. But whenever we go back and, and read, you know, a lot of the old particular Baptists, specific, uh, specifically like uh, Benjamin Keish, um, you know, and several others like that, they actually use those words, ordinance and um, sacrament, interchangeably. So they understood them to be the same thing. Are you following me right now? Because yeah, you're just zoning. You're, you're kind of zoning off. something that kind of took me by surprise there, off in the distance. But yeah, I'm following you. Yeah, it sounds very Roman Catholic. And... It doesn't sound Roman Catholic. No, they think it did. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, right. we don't think it does. Right. So, yeah, the difference between us and a Roman Catholic is they would say that there's justifying grace in that, and then it's, you know, infused uh, into the the uh, recipient, and we would not say that. We would say that for those who are elect, um, those who are a part of God's elect, there is sanctifying grace bestowed in those means of grace. Okay. So, does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Um Big question, though. Okay. What are the... Okay, I'm trying to think how to word this question. Is is sacraments something that can be personal to you also? What do you can mean? Can you use something else as a sacrament besides the Lord's Supper? Like, could I use a special spot where I pray and get closer to God as a sacrament because I've heard people use that term that you know use it as a sacrament to get closer to God mm-hmm. like no, yeah. well I would say that in scripture we only see two sacraments okay and and those are the Lord's Supper and baptism mm-hmm. those are the only two things that Jesus commands us to do um, on a, a regular basis okay. you know what I mean those are the only two things Ordinances that Jesus commands us to do. So I'd say that that those things are the only two sacraments. So, like for example, going you know say somewhere and sitting down and having quiet time, um, you know that's not a sacrament. For example, Roman some Roman you know, Roman Catholics believe that marriage is a sacrament. Oh, okay. um, like I think that he holds that there's maybe seven sacraments or something like that along those lines. But anyway, I would say that no, the Bible only teaches that there's two sacraments. But I do think that things like that can be means of grace to you. You know what I mean? Like, for example, obviously prayer would be a means of grace that God yeah. brings blessings uh, and grace into your life through. Um, 
I would say that listening to the preaching of the word is also a means of grace. That God obviously delivers grace through that uh, through that preaching. Okay. And, you know, He even uses preaching to convert the soul, um, to penetrate the heart. So, yeah, I would say that something could maybe be a means of grace, but not necessarily a sacrament. And when you say that, um, so what? Are, let's get back on the subject of. of you know the, the importance of of these things. If you like, you said that you know you don't necessarily think that you well, not necessarily you don't think that you have to be baptized to be saved, right? So if we don't partake in the Lord's Supper, mm-hmm. which is commanded, right? What does that? How does that affect us as Christians? Well, uh, how how does it affect us if we don't, and how does it affect us if we do? Okay, um, so I think that's a really good question. I think that's going to get to the heart of you know one of the things that we see in a lot of churches today. We see a lot of churches, for example, who neglect the Lord's Supper. Um, for example, whenever I was a younger believer, I was a part of a church who would maybe partake of the Lord's Supper once, once a, year. a year. Right um, now, I think that what happens whenever we um, we Miss out on the Lord's Supper is that we uh, we miss out on a means of sanctifying grace in our life. Um, I think that God uses those things to bestow grace to us and to make us look more like Jesus. And whenever you're missing out, whenever you don't do that, well, that's something you obviously miss out on. Yeah, I mean, uh, do you think that things like that can help us grow stronger in faith? Oh, absolutely, um, no doubt. I think that you know, it is through the grace of God alone that we grow stronger in our faith anyway. So whenever God uses means to bestow that to us, why would we... Just empowers it. Right, exactly. Why would we not partake of it as, as often as we could? You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so I think that we should probably also talk about who are the proper recipients of the sacraments. Um, so we've talked about the Lord's Supper. Um, I would say that... Well, well, we'll start with baptism first, and then we'll work to, towards the Lord's Supper. Okay. Um, so we have some... People who are seer, you know, um, who are brothers in the faith, sincere brothers in the faith, whom we disagree with on the proper recipients of baptism. Um, Wait, you don't talk about babies. I'm talking about babies. I knew it. <laughs> um, we Love have babies. we have Presbyterian <laughs> brothers who would argue that the Bible specifically teaches that um, that babies ought to receive the sacrament of baptism because they think. That it is salvation, right? Well, no, no, not necessarily. Okay. Um, now there were some Presbyterians who held to a it's called like a presumptive regeneration, and some you know some of the older Presbyterians, it seems like in that older Westminster stream held to something kind of like baptismal regeneration, but for the most part. You know, most of the Presbyterians you're going to run into today are going to say this. They're going to say that whenever you look in the Old Covenant economy, you see um, infants were given circumcision. Okay. And they would say that that same thing continues today, only circumcision has been replaced with baptism. All right. I would say that that is a misunderstanding of... they would Those things are called types and antitypes. Um, for example, they would say that an- the anti-type of circumcision is baptism, that it is what fulfills um, that type. I would disagree. I would say that um, that uh, regeneration, uh, circumcision of the heart, is what fulfills 
the old covenant sacrament of circumcision. So we see that there was a physical, bloody sacrifice uh, or circumcision, and it points forward to a spiritual heart okay. circumcision. Okay. So if that's true, if that is the, um, if that is what fulfills the old covenant. Um, uh, sacrament of circumcision, then that means that only those who have a circumcised heart, those who are able to have faith, um, should receive baptism. All right, so my head's bouncing off the walls right now because that just dug a hole in my brain and took about seven different tunnels. Okay. So we listened to a podcast earlier um, by Doc and Devo on... Infant Salvation. On infant, Infant Salvation. Right. And we both agreed that we can agree with Joe and Jimmy on their stance on that, right? Right. Okay. So, what you're saying is those who are circumcised by the heart are the ones who should receive baptism. Right. Because whenever we look in the New Testament, we see we only see those who have professed faith in Jesus who are baptized. Okay. But if we came to the conclusion that infants go to heaven, mm-hmm. are they saved and should be baptized well i or think that they, are they you know what's right. what's the deal here well that, like, that, we that is an argument that some presbyterians will bring up to baptize. right um yes. i actually have a book by a um he's a federal vision guy his name's rich lusk and it's called pedo faith and basically in that art in that book he argues that um pedo faith we see that in the scriptures that you know infants are saved and some have pedo faith or infant faith, and therefore they ought to be baptized. Um, That's I, I can see where right. I think that it's, it's a good argument. Well, I think that it's a logical and and a consistent argument yeah. at least. But here's the thing: um, I think that the New Testament is t- the sacrament of baptism is tied to um, proclamation. For so example, you have to. You're saying what you're saying is proclamation. Do you mean like in profession? Yes, profession. So if you don't profess Christ, then you shouldn't be baptized. Exactly. So like if I didn't go and say, you know, Josh, uh, I got saved today. Right. I, I have faith in Jesus. Right. And believe that he saved my soul. Yeah. Then that's when I should be baptized. But yes. if I had faith to myself and I didn't proclaim it to anyone, right. then technically I shouldn't be baptized yet because it's not a profession. Right. Uh, people don't know that I'm... Right. There's not a... It is a tide... What we see in the New Testament is that... Um, baptism is a public declaration of, of faith. Your right. We see that whenever people have been raised from death to life and they believe in Jesus for the forgiveness of their sins, there is a public display of that, and it occurs through baptism. And that's something the infants can't do. Right, exactly. Proclaim. Now, I'm not saying that there can't be such thing as infant salvation. Yeah, because... Uh, right, I obviously uh, think that there well, is. Well, let's, say, let's put it this way. I know this is a far-fetched idea, mm-hmm. but you're stranded on an island. You find a Bible... And you become a Christian. Right. If you have no one to profess your faith to, or let's say, you know, you got shipwrecked and you mm-hmm. were on a stranded island. Uh-huh. If you have no one to profess your faith to. Yep. That, you know, that that's where you can step in and say, you know, baptism isn't salvation. You're right. saved by. Right. He was saved faith. by faith. He's not saved by his baptism. Because it's not his fault that there's no one there to proclaim it to right. and that he can't be baptized. Right. So you have to sit and say, Oh well, you know you're safe through faith, right? So. Exactly. So, um, like, like th- a baby, he can't proclaim it. Right. He's there alone, pretty much, with his thoughts. Yeah, I think that we see biblical examples of infants who had faith. Like, for example, whenever you look at John the Baptist, 
we see that you know whenever he was in his mother's womb, he <laughs> leaps for joy. What? <laughs> you know that noise that Joe made on that podcast right there. Oh, <laughs> well, we see we see that he leaps for joy whenever uh, Mary walks in with Jesus in the womb. He leaps for joy. So obviously, he knew, he knew Jesus right? He in the knew, womb, like yeah, you right. Said in your sermon, right? I preached on this yeah. um, a few months ago. He knew Jesus in the womb. He leaped for joy. Um, but here's the thing: he is not able to verbalize that. He is not able to um, pro- profess that with words in a way that um, could make sense to someone else. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. So, and what we do see in the New Testament, specifically in the New Covenant economy of the covenant of grace is that we see that we see a proclam a profession of faith and then baptism. So I think that that's a good way to hedge um, hedge you know both of those things. I think yeah. that we can say yeah there is a um, there is such thing as infant salvation. Okay, and to go off on another tangent, mm-hmm. um, I'm real good at ta- going off on tangents, but those who are Disabled in some sort of way, those who are, are who who can't profess faith because they are disabled, right? Like an infant, you can't. They can't tell you. They right. may be paralyzed. They may be um, yeah, mute. They may mute. be mute. They can't talk. Maybe they don't write. Maybe they can't write. Right. There's there's always a situation where you can go back and say, oh well, they can't profess faith. If they can't profess faith, faith, it's not their fault that they have that. Some sort of illness to where they mm-hmm. can't profess, but that doesn't mean like that they're illness, not saved. But that doesn't mean they're not saved by faith, right? Exactly. So, and you know, and I know some people will say, "Well, they're saved by faith. Why would you not baptize them?" You know. Well, here's the thing: I don't know that. You know what I mean? Well, we like, don't want to go baptizing someone that isn't saved by faith, right? Just like we don't want to go have people taking, you know, taking the Lord's Supper mm-hmm. and you know partaking in that sacrament. Right. Well, I want to guard. I want to guard them. Yeah, because here's the thing: the sacraments, like it's like we mentioned earlier, the sacraments. If you are not a believer, they are judgment to you. Yeah. Um, so baptism could be considered judgment to someone right. who doesn't have faith. And why would you go baptizing someone who you don't know who has? Yeah. You know? Right. Like we see at the church in Corinth, those who were partaking of the sacrament, they they were eating and drinking judgment upon themselves. Um. Like whenever you look in the Old Testament too, you see the the waters that that um, Noah and his family were saved through the flood was also which was a grace you know in a way to them. Yeah, it was also a judgment to the world. Yeah, they were you know killed through that. So I think that what we have to do is we have to stick with what we see outlined in the New Testament, and that is we see that there is profession tied to the sacraments. And if someone can't verbalize that to us, then we need to assume that you know this person has not professed faith, therefore we need to guard them and make sure that they are not partaking of a sacrament um, in a way that is not um, laid out in Scripture, that way that they are not partaking and bringing judgment upon themselves. Yeah, because we don't want that. We don't want people up there doing stuff like that. You know what I mean? That's, right. That's- so you got any more questions that are? No, I think that we've covered it pretty well. I think that I've got you know gotten everything that I didn't know. I had very little knowledge on this subject before the podcast. So I just like I said, I messaged you was the, yesterday. I was like, let's do a podcast on sacraments. Yeah, and yeah. Had no prior knowledge of this, and then did a little bit of reading, and I, I think that we've got it pretty down pretty good. Yeah. Now I'm sure that we're gonna have some Presbyterian brothers who probably listen to this, and then there will be some counter arguments thrown. Out. Yeah. That's cool. If you have those, 
you can email them to us, and I would be we'll address we'll, them. Yeah, we'll address them. Like we'll we'll talk about them. Um, you can email us at longlivepodcast at gmail and you can email those objections or counter arguments, and we'd be happy to talk about those and maybe um, address those from a Reformed Baptist, uh, confessional Baptist uh, perspective. So we're at 40, around 43 minutes on this thing. You got anything else? It don't feel like that. I feel like when you get into a good good discussion and you're enjoying what you're talking about, it doesn't feel like it drags on. You know what I mean? Like it, yeah. That was 43 minutes that felt like 10. Yeah. Uh, so No, I don't have anything else. What do you, what do you got coming up? Anything? Um, yeah, we have our second... Uh, we have our second preview service coming up at the end of the month. It's on February 26th, and it'll be at Chapmanville Regional High School in the auditorium. And Aaron Kelly is going to be preaching. Oh, A-A-Ron. Oh, A-Ron. Yeah, he's going to be preaching on the values of New Haven Church. Um, Good. Yeah, we're doing what we're, what we're calling the Blueprint Series. Kind um, of laying it all out. Yeah, it's not really? it's not an exposition. Uh, it's not an expository uh, sermon series. <clears throat> it's more topical. Um, it's basically what we're doing is just laying out the foundations of New Haven Church and why we believe what we believe and while the, while we're doing what we're doing. Right. Why? Yeah. yeah why we're doing what we're doing and um, at the end of that we're going to have a uh, town hall meeting where we. Release our budget and have answer do a Q and A. Maybe be able to clarify some things that people may be confused on. So that's coming up at the end of the month. The town hall meeting though will be in May. Sure. So, yeah, th- this sermon series will end up will end in May, and then starting in June, we're going to start a second series. And I'm not going to talk about what that is right now. Surprise. It's a secret. It's a secret. Yeah. Okay. I saw it. I know what it is. It's a surprise. Yeah. It's a good one. Um. Uh-huh. That's that's about it for the month of February, isn't it? Yeah, that's, that's all. I think the most exciting thing about this month is after Valentine's Day is over and all the chocolate goes on clearance, I'm going to go stock up. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking forward <laughs> to that. I want to get all the Reese's and the Hershey's and everything. If you guys, if I'm sounding awkward right now, it's because my wife is standing <laughs> right directly behind me and she's throwing stuff in the trash and just looking at me. Like, oh man! She's like, I know I'm interrupting, but I'm going to do Valentine's Day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it's a surprise. <laughs> Just like okay. <laughs> yeah, she's definitely at least going to get flowers for Valentine's Day. So you hear her whisper in the background. I hate flowers. Yeah. Not really. She didn't say that. But yeah, that's all I got. Yeah, that's all I got. So I'm going to try to get another podcast out at least by next week, since we don't have a whole lot going on other than the preview service at the end of the month. So. Yep, don't know what we're going to talk about then, but I know for sure that we're going to plan on getting some more people in and start interviewing people on various topics. Yeah, we need to get somebody. We need to get a third party in on here and ask them some outside questions. Yeah, like I'm really wanting to talk to some people specifically about like theonomy applied, like Christian reconstructionism applied, probably talk about eschatology in the end times at some point. That'd be a fun episode. Yeah, we be get somebody f- in here that had... Uh, you know, opposing views to what we hold and yep. not really have a debate, but a really nice discussion. Yep. You know, it'd be nice. Yep. So you guys can probably look forward to those in the future. And, and that way people can draw their own conclusions. Yep. You know, that's, that's what this is all about. Yep. I'm not trying to force anything. So get some people in here and get some good ideas going. All right. So if you don't have anything else, I don't either. No, that's all for me. Uh, see you guys later. All right. Peace.